before we begin, uh, may I may I ask all of us to open our Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 7, verse 6. We will be looking from chapter 7, verse 6, all the way to the end of chapter 7, which is verse 24. So with your Bibles, let's open it up to Genesis chapter 7. Alright, hear the word of the Lord, uh, people, God's people. Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Of clean animals and of animals that are not clean, and of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground, two and two, male and female, went to the ark with Noah, as God commanded Noah. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of heavens were opened, and rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem and Ham, and Japheth and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast according to its kind and all the livestock according to their kinds and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah two and two, of all flesh in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. The flood continued forty days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. And all flesh died that move on earth, birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth and all mankind. Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He bloated out every living thing that was on the face of, of the ground, men and animals and creeping things and birds of he the heavens. They were bloated out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Let us pray. Father, as we come to your word, we pray that you will humble our hearts. We pray that your word and your spirit will work together in our hearts to change us, to mold us, even to regenerate us. May we worship you in spirit and in truth, 
as your word is being preached. May the words of my mouth bring forth truth and truth alone. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen. In Genesis 6, judgment and salvation seemed far away. It was something yet still distant. Because in Genesis 6, Noah was only instructed to build the ark. And Noah was only told that flood will come. Yet, we see Noah's uh, response, that is, faith. How did he respond in faith? He responded in faith by doing all that God had commanded him to do, which is to build the ark. At the same time, it somewhat hinted to us about the response of the world, which is ignorance and disbelief, which we will see more in, in our passage today, later. This coming judgment and salvation is one that will actually lead them into a new age, into a new time, into a new, what we call a new creation, where everything will be made new. Because in Genesis chapter 6 as well, we see... All right, we see in verse chapter 6, verse 16, where, where Noah was instructed to keep a pair of animals, male and female, in order to preserve them. So, in verse 19 and verse 20, we see, we see a hint of the language used in creation. Where it says, and of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every son into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female of the birds according to their kinds, in verse 20, and of the animals according to their kinds, and of every creepy things on the ground according to its kind. We see the language used in creation repeated here. And this gives us a hint about what is going to come through through the preservation of Noah's family and all these animals, which is a new creation. Because the only people and the only living things that will repopulate the whole world will be those within the ark. Why is this necessary? We, some of us may ask. But because all this is necessary because we see in Genesis uh, the first part of Genesis 6, we see the sinfulness of man increasing more and more. And how did all these things happen? All these things happened because in Genesis 3, we see Adam disobeyed God by eating the fruit that he was not supposed to eat, bringing all humanity into this state of sin and bringing all the, all the effects of sin upon humanity. And we see sin was brought about by one man, that, that was Adam. And now, when we look at Genesis 6 and Genesis 7, we see new creation will be hated by one man as well. That is none other than Noah. And most importantly, God has promised all these things will take place. Judgment and salvation will come. But not just that, that was not the only thing. New creation will come as well. So as we look at, look at chapters, chapter 7 verse 6 today, 
It starts us off by telling us, revealing us Noah's age, which is a clue that reveals much of God's uh, character, which is patience. Because when we look at verse 6, verse 6 tells us Noah was now 600 years old. Because when Genesis 6 started off, we were told in Genesis 6 that Noah was 500. Right? Noah was only 500 years old at that time when he started building the ark. And 10 decades have gone by. One century has gone by when we, when we start off today's passage. However, only Noah and his family and the animals that God instructed him to take was going into the ark. There was no one else. They were the only ones that, that, and that will enter the ark. They are the only ones who took heed of God's word. This tells us a lot about the generation in Noah's time, the people around Noah's time, which was ignorance and disbelief. They did not take heed of God's word. They ignored God's word because for 100 years, Noah has been building the ark. Yet, their response was disbelief and ignorance. So only those under Noah found safety. At the same time, it also reveals some, it, it also tells us one thing about Noah as Calvin helped, John Calvin uh, helpfully pointed out. All this reveals Noah's faith in God's word despite his surroundings. We see great perseverance in Noah's life, in Noah's faith. Because we will see Noah will be vindicated. Noah will be delivered from judgment. Whereas the rest, those outside the ark, they will face judgment through water. They will face judgment through water. In Genesis 3, in Genesis 2, we see the garden. The garden was one that flowed. That where, the garden was one where the rivers flow and provided water for all things. We see life flourishing. But now, the coming waters showed something very different. Instead of one that gives life, it is going to be one that destroys. As we look at verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of the heavens were opened. So we see here, the water approaches from both above and below. It's not just the rain. It's not just rain from above, but it was waters from deep down the earth that was bursting forth, that came out from the ground. And as, we, and as we go down, and, and, and as we look forward in verse 12, it goes on to say, And rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. It is no wonder, alright, it is no wonder how the earth is able to be filled with so much water because there was water coming from down below and up above, as Moses tells us in Genesis 7. And for 40 days and 40 nights, it covered the whole world. It covered the whole world. Everything 
under the earth, everything under the heavens, everything that stood on soil was under judgment. But things looked very different for Noah and his family because they found safety in the ark. What seemed distant now, now, all right, is just in front of their eyes. Noah and his family were instructed to enter along with the rest of creation. And here again in verse 14, we see the language that is being used in Genesis 1 where Moses records creation. If you look with me in verse 14, it goes on to say, They and every beast according to its kind, and all livestock according to, its, to their kind, and every creeping things that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. It's quite interesting because verse 14 is not the only verse. Because when you look because when you look at the next few verses as you go down, we see that as well. We see, but that is a picture of how all of creation will be destroyed. But here we see new creation is actually on its way. New creation will come as Noah bears these creatures in his ark. But most importantly, as much as they are safe in the ark, it's important for us to remember God's promise for Noah in Genesis 6. Where, where, where in verse 18, Yahweh, God, which is God's uh, name, which reveals His faithfulness, His covenantal faithfulness, tells us, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you, and of every living thing of all flesh. All this hinges upon God's promise. We see Noah and his family trusting upon Yahweh's promises, trusting upon God's promises to enter the ark. And as we look at verse 16 as well, especially at the end, Moses tells us very deliberately that God had, that the Lord, Yahweh, shut him in. This is a picture of divine grace that saved Noah and those under him. It is not just, it is not just Noah's act, act itself that saved them, but it was God's divine grace poured upon Noah and his family to shut them in and to keep the waters out from entering into the ark. Because the waters are coming. The waters are already coming from both above and gushing from below up to the surface. And as we continue on in verse 17, the flood continued. 40 days on the earth, the waters increased and bore up the ark and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth and the ark floated on the face of the waters. And as we see in verse 17, we see the waters continuously filling up. We see the waters covering everywhere. The totality of earth is covered. 
And it is to the point where even a heavy ark, okay, bearing so many, so many living creatures at that time, started to float. Don't forget, okay, all right, because there's still the weight of the ark itself. Think, think about it, the weight of the ark along with the weight of all animals within that ark. And all this started to float. All this started to float. And this gives us a very vivid image of the severity of this judgment on what is going to happen. Judgment. Death. And as we look at verse 19, it gives us an even more graphic image, a, a more pictorial image, when mountains were covered. Think about it. Think about Mount Kinabalu. Think about, think, think, think about Mount Everest. Think about all these mountains now covered with water. Imagine the depth and the pressure of sinking at this, at, at this depth. Imagine the pain and imagine the severity of this judgment. And this is what happens to those who are found outside the ark. They will be judged by true water. In verse 20, the waters prevail above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. Then verse 21, that and all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth and all mankind. Here we see another language of creation again, where, which is the order of how creation came to be, which is the birds and things that walked on earth, and at the end, humans. Except there's no new creation here. But we see judgment and we see destruction. And verse 22 goes on. Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. All these creatures died under the judgment of these waters. All. Everything. And verse 23, He bloated out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven. They were bloated out from the earth. And all we see now on earth is just water. If we were Noah and his family, or maybe even, or, you know, or maybe you know, by God's grace we were, we were drawn into the ark. Picture this, when you peek from the ark, all you could see is just waters. All you could see is just blue and nothing else. All you could see is just water and sky. And what picture does this remind you of? It reminds us of a very familiar picture found in Genesis chapter 1, before all creation began. Because in Genesis 1, Moses tells us very clearly, he says, 
In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The world now goes back to what, what, in mod, what modern language we would call square one. It's now just heaven and it's now just waters. Everything goes back to where it all began. Creation. The only difference this time is that we see that there will be a new creation that is going to come. And we see that this destruction of water is also a sign of the creation. So we have new creation that is coming, but before the new creation comes, we see some form of decreation where waters fell upon all the earth and bloated everything out. And now everything is just the sky, the heavens, and the deep ocean, which is the whole wide world. The deep ocean that covered everything. Back to creation once more. And this gives us a clear picture on how judgment and salvation comes before new creation. Judgment because we see the whole world covered in water where God bloated all of them out of the face of the earth. Everything that had breath of life drowned and they ceased to breathe. We see salvation because those under Noah, those in Noah's ark, they are delivered through this water. They were delivered through this ocean. They were delivered through the, through the waters that came, from the, that came from above and came from below. And they have been entrusted. They will be entrusted by God's promises to bring, to usher in, to bring in the new creation. So those outside the ark, those who perished in judgment, they go through the creation. And those inside the ark, under Noah, they anticipate new creation. And we see judgment and salvation coming together in one same coin, in one same time. It is not separated. It is not, yes, they are different, but we see it different. But they are different things, but we see two of them coming together as we see in this flood, this flood story. Now, all things have finally come to pass, as God said, there is now no more waiting. It's judgment or salvation. It's decreation or anticipation towards new creation. It's death or it's life. As we see clearly in this flood story. The water that brought judgment also delivered Noah and those under him. And at the same time, is this the only time in Scripture where water, where, where God's people were delivered through water? 
Interestingly, no. Interestingly, there are many, many, many more instances where God's people were also delivered through water, where, our, where the narrative here, the, story, the flood story here is only one of them that sets the picture straight for the rest of Scripture to see. Because when we look at Exodus, we see Moses being delivered as a baby in the river from death to safety under Pharaoh's under under the care of Pharaoh's daughter. And we see the Israelites being delivered in the Red Sea. And interestingly, um, when we look at when, when, when we look at the crossing of the Red Sea, it was salvation for God's people, but it was judgment for the Egyptians for their sins for oppressing God's people and for refusing to worship the one true God, Yahweh. And as we look at the book of Joshua as well, we see the Israelites crossing the Jordan River by claiming God's promises given for them by faith, where God opened up the rivers for them as they entered in. It ushered in something new because they are going to go into a new land to occupy what God has given them. And we see Jesus' baptism, where Jesus in the Jordan River were baptized to identify with his humanity, to save us from the weary depths of our sin and bring in new creation in this broken and sinful world. But of course, all these are not exhaustive because there are many, many more instances but because due to time constraints, I'll only list this few, few out for all of us to have a better perspective on how Scripture works and to understand our Scripture today and to understand the passage today as well. Water deliverance will always bring, water deliverance brings about something new. And as we see in Noah's story, the story of Noah, the flood judged the whole world and it delivered Noah and his family to anticipate a new era, which is a new creation. What is this new creation? Well, come back next week. Come, come back the, come, please come back to church and hear what uh, the next preacher have to, have to preach about chapters 8, chapter 9 and chapters 10. So the biggest question for us now, the biggest question for us now is this. Are we, as God's people, in this new age, delivered by water? Are we saved by waters? Like Noah. Because we don't see flood. We don't see, we, we don't see a global flood like the days of Noah. And neither do we see any waters flowing everywhere. The answer to that question is yes. We are still delivered by water. We are delivered by water as well. So with the, in, with the Bibles, uh, let's open up to New Testament. Uh, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Verse 15. 
verse uh, 13, verse 14 to verse 17 to give a better picture of what Peter is, what the apostle Peter is trying to tell us. Now, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, starts off by this. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts... Oops, sorry, I think I got the wrong, wrong chapter. I think it's, all oh, right, sorry, uh, verse, verse, 20, verse 20, sorry, chapter 3, verse 20. Oh, it seemed I had a bit of a mis, mishandling of my handwriting in my own notes. Yeah, chapter, uh, it's the same book, same chapter, but uh, verse 20. And this is what Peter says, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. And verse 21, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into the heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to Him. So the short answer to the question is yes, we are delivered by water. But it's very different for us as we, as we live in this age where Christ, where Christ has come, where Christ has died, where Christ has resurrected. Because it is not the act of water baptism itself that saves us. But it is what the water baptism points to that saves us, that delivers us from the judgment that is to come and delivers us and brings us into a new creation. Because Peter tells us baptism is likened to Noah's deliverance. Just as how Noah was delivered through water, brought safely in the ark through the waters. And we now, likewise, we likewise, baptism saves us just as no, just as how the waters delivered Noah. But again, a firm reminder that it is not the act itself that saves you, but it is what water baptism signifies that saves you, which is Jesus' cleansing blood that washes us from head to toe, making us new. It is Christ that saves us as we undergo this baptism. So for those of us sitting, sitting here, this is a call for you to come to the true ark. Because when judgment comes, it will be too late. As Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse, 
Verse 20, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through waters. Come to Christ. Come to the true ark that will save you and deliver you from judgment and sin. And undergo this water baptism upon repentance and faith. Because it is not just any external rituals that washes your physical body, but it cleanses, but it cleans you. It cleanses your whole being and your whole conscience because of what Christ has done. As Peter tells us, because Christ has gone to the right hand of the Father and subjected all things under Him. This baptism saves you. This baptism saves you because it points to Christ. It points to Jesus' finished work on the cross where He washes you clean by His blood and delivers you from His sin. Because when He does that, He will give you a new heart where sin will no longer be your master, but Christ will be your master as you've been given a new heart and a new being and as He washes you through and through. And in the future, just as Noah anticipates the new creation, you will join with us, God's people, where we will all be renewed and where there will be no more brokenness, where there will be no more sin. And we live in God's presence forever and ever and enjoy Him for the whole eternity. This is the call for you to repent and to trust in Christ, the true ark that will deliver you and undergo this water baptism which saves you because of what Christ has done. And for brothers and sisters sitting down here in the pews, especially those who have yet to be baptized, will you now come to this water baptism that saves you? Now, again, it is not the act itself that saves you, but what the baptism itself points to, that is Jesus and His cleansing work, that where, where Christ washes you clean. This, because this baptism will forever remind you of all that Christ has done for you. In your weakness, in your suffering, and in your brokenness, you will look back to this baptism and ask yourself, what has Christ done for me? And you will be reminded of His cleansing work through, the act, through, through, through this ritual that has been promised and given to you. Just like Noah, he was delivered through waters. Likewise, we will be saved. We will be delivered. And this baptism that we undergo will forever remind us of these truths. In our, in our, in our unwavering in, in, in our wavering consciousness, this baptism will remind us of all that Christ has done for us and strengthen our faith. And just as Christ has already delivered us from our current sin and future judgment, He, through this water baptism, brings us into a new creation as well. And He has given us a new heart. He has given us a new being. He has washed us and made us clean. And He has renewed our consciousness 
our conscience, giving us a good conscience to appeal before God. And to Christian families with infants and children, will you bring your child and children forward to receive this blessing that has been given to you? Because if you notice in the narrative of in this whole flood story of Noah, Noah was instructed to bring his family along with him. Not just him, but him and his family. And what we see here is a picture of God working through family heads and family units. And likewise, in this new, in, in this new covenant, in this age that we live in, God did not stop working through families. In fact, it still takes place. And that is why a few weeks ago we witnessed something beautiful where two kids, two children were brought forward for baptism. Where they cling on to this promise where God will deliver them from judgment and bring them into new creation. And this is God's promise for His people, for all of us. That, he will in, that in judgment, He will deliver us from sin and brokenness into new creation through water. Let us look to God in prayer. Father, we come to your throne of grace asking for your word to not for, for your word to work in all of our hearts, who all, all of the hearts of those who heard who hear who heard your word today. May it continue to may, may continue to convict, may it continue to comfort, and may it continue to do its work until all of the sheep has been gathered into the flock under Christ. Father God, for those of us who, for, for those sitting here who have yet come to, to know you, we pray that you give them, that you will wash them, you will, you will convict them of their sin and bring them to your Son, Jesus Christ, in faith and repentance and in and and to undergo this water baptism that points to all that Christ, to, that points to all the fullness and the greatness of all that Christ has done for us. And for those of us here who, who have wavering assurance, we pray, O oh Lord, that the baptism that we have that, that we have taken will always remind us of what Christ has done. To save us, to deliver us from judgment, and to bring us into new creation. O oh Lord, in, in judgment and salvation, may your word work in us. May your word convict us. May your word draw us to yourself. May we not look left or right, but may we come under Christ our true ark and fix our eyes firmly 
upon him who delivers us from judgment into a new cre- in, into new creation. In Christ's name, God's people say.